Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So we've been talking about being kingdom-minded and having a kingdom mindset and how that starts and learning how to walk in the love of Christ and how, how that love manifests Christ through us. That's, we talked uh, last week a little bit out of Romans 13 where it says that if you, if you love your neighbor like you do yourself, you fulfill the law. Wow. Stop and think about that. And how that that, that, that scripture there in, in Romans was, was a quote from the book of Deuteronomy. When we mentioned how that that's the most quoted Old Testament verse in the New Testament. And how that we have to, we have to learn how we have to develop let that, it's a spiritual discipline. Love is a spiritual discipline. Just like prayer, just like reading the word, all the other disciplines. Love is, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. And uh, real quick, I'm just going to finish up a thought I had that I brought, you know, we were talking about toxic people last week. And how that Jesus was surrounded with toxic people. And how that he didn't shy away from toxic people. So the question comes, well, what do I do with a toxic person in my life? Do I keep them in? Do I walk away from them? What do I do? Well, first and foremost, you listen to Holy Spirit. And you let him tell you what to do. You listen to what Holy Spirit says to you. I know people that have stayed that they knew the Lord told them. You stay in that toxic relationship. I don't, I don't know why. They, I don't know. But they did it because they were being obedient to, to what Holy Spirit had told them. There have been mothers where they, they have felt the release to step away. So that's why it's important in that that you listen to Holy Spirit. But you never get out from under the obligation to love them. You are never removed. That's, that's something you cannot remove yourself from, is the obligation to love them. And we read there in Romans 13 last week where it said that that's the debt that never gets paid. That, that you always owe that debt of love. And so, we're going to talk today... about abiding, abiding in love. So go with me to John 15, would you please? John 15, we'll start reading at the ninth verse. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you this morning for your word. You said that the entrance of your word gives, brings light. And that's what we're after, Father. We're after light. We're after, we're after Lord, the things that make us more like you. We're, we're in search of the knowledge and the application of that knowledge that makes us more like you because in being more like you, then we become more effective for you. So you just bless your word this morning. Don't even have to ask that, Lord. You've already blessed this word. 
you just bless our ears and anoint our ears to hear it this morning. Okay, so John 15, you start reading at verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus, in, in teaching his disciples, made this, this statement. He said, abide. It's, he said, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. So abide in that. And that word abide means to remain in the same place or position over a period of time. In context, it really means more than remaining in a place. It implies more than just a position. But rather, a position that allows us to remain in fellowship, communion, dependence, harmony, and friendship. To abide in his love doesn't imply just a position. You're not just there. But you're also abiding in fellowship. That love allows you to abide in fellowship, and it allows you to abide in relationship with, with him. It's the same thing with others. When we're abiding in his love, we're not just, we're not just there to say, I love you, and, you know, have a nice day, and go about it. Or to love them in theory and theoretically, but to not let that love be an application. We've said it before, when you are, and I was talking to somebody about this last week, and I, 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 I said, when you, and uh, we were praying, that's we were doing, we were praying, and we were getting, they were getting ready to go into kind of a touchy situation in, in, in dealing with somebody and when I was praying, I just prayed, Father, when, when they leave, when they leave that conversation, let the person that they are having conversation leave and know when that conversation is done that they are loved. And I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but you, you, can, you can't preach hell to everybody. You know that? I mean, there are people that you can, but you can't, you can't preach hell to, to someone who's in the depth of an addiction because they'll tell you, I'm here. You can't, you can't preach hell to somebody that's, that's been caught up in, in human trafficking or abuse and, tell them, and try to preach hell to them because they'll tell you, <laughs> welcome to my world. But you know what you can do? A practical, open application of the love of God can move any heart. I watched, uh, Kathy and I watched a few weeks ago, um, it was a, a stream, a, a live stream from The Chosen. I don't know how many of you saw this, but it was, uh, all they did was they, they brought a, a, a group of, uh, Generation Z 
young people in. They didn't tell them what they were going to be seeing. They didn't tell them anything about it. They just told them they, they wanted them to binge watch this thing and then at this television program and then uh, they gauged and, and they filmed their uh, reactions. I, I, and I'm telling you what, I, I, I came out of that with a whole different outlook on young people that are, that are of this Generation Z. Um, you know, we, we, tend to, we tend to hack on them as being lazy and not being able to handle anything. And why don't you, you know, you need to buck up and all this. But you know what? There's some messed up, messed up kids out there that have dealt with things that you and I never had to deal with. Uh, there was one, one that, um, one of the young ladies was a lesbian. The other one had uh, been a, a, abandoned. The other one, young fellow that spent almost his, he spent his whole life in the foster system. And another young fellow washed, had watched his dad die. His dad died right there in front of him. Another, another young fellow with, had dealt with mental issues, mental illness his whole life. And so they started this, and you just watch these kids. And you watch them just as they watch just the, a, a theatrical presentation of the love of God and watch how it impacted them. I, I, I would... I would I would encourage you to go watch it if you if you can. I was boohooing. I mean, I I, I, was, I couldn't I, I couldn't help but just to watch how them reacting to Jesus, reacting to people the way that he probably did, and how it affected these kids was amazing. The love of God will do something that nothing else can do. The love of God will move a heart that. Nothing else, no, the way nothing else will do. An application, them seeing the love of God in you, manifested through you, applied by you, in action in you, will move hearts that you never, ever thought could be moved. If you really love someone, and, and, and go back to Romans 13, and what did, what, did, what did Paul say? He said, these, this, if you feel these two commandments, love the Lord your God, love your neighbors yourself, you fulfilled the law. How does that happen? It's because if, if you're walking in love, you're not going to lie to somebody. If you're walking in love, you're, you're not going to steal from them. If you're walking in love, you surely aren't going to think about killing them. So walking in, in, walking in love, you, you, you do these things. You fulfill the... And Jesus said it himself when he... Remember when he was talking to the lawyer that came to him, and, and Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said this, all the other commandments hinge on these. In other words... If you fulfill these two, you're going to fulfill everything else. And so when we abide in that, again, when we're talking about abiding in this, we're, we're in a place, we're in a position 
and we're staying in that position. We're not moving around and we're not, we're not all over the place in, in this. We're, we're in this position of love. We're in the position of abiding in the love of Christ. And when we're there, it, it manifests through us to other people, or it should. How can I love someone who's so nasty and mean? How can I love someone who has done this to me and done that to me? How can I love someone who is totally unlovable by my standards? How do I do it? And we've mentioned this scripture time and time again, Romans 5, 5. That's what? The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. When you're abiding in, in, in the scripture in John, when he said, you, you, you abide in me and you abide in the love that I have for you, and it's also the love that the Father had for me. So when we do that, really what's happening is the love that we are putting forth should be identical, identical to the love we are receiving from God, from the Father. The love that we are putting out to others should be identical. It should look just the same as the love that we are receiving from the Father. That, look, I'll be the first to admit, this stuff is so hard on your flesh, isn't it? It is. And I will tell you right now that I have had plenty of opportunities since the Lord start putting, started putting this in my, I have had plenty of opportunities to put this into practice and to put this into practice in my own life. And so, it, this, this, this is stuff that's hard on our flesh. Because our flesh doesn't want to like people. Well, at least my flesh is that way. There are times when I, I just don't, I don't want to like people. For one reason or another. But see what, it, what Jesus is saying and what he was saying to his disciples is that you can come to a place where you are fixed in my love. You're abiding there. Nothing moves you off of that. Nothing moves you out of that love. Now, I wish I could tell you I was there. But I'm, I'm headed that direction to where I can come to a place where I am so fixed in the love of God. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's thrown at me. It doesn't matter what's said to me. It doesn't matter how I'm treated, how I'm act. Listen, if Jesus, if Jesus, when he was on the cross, could say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to say that. But it was the love of the Father coming through him for those because he knew what they were doing. He knew what they were walking into. And he still loved them. And he still cared about him to the point that it was more important that he loved them and that his love 
get manifested than it was his own personal safety, his own, his own bodily safety. The love that Jesus has for others is lived out through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about this, and you've got to get this into your spirit, into your heart. You cannot fabricate this in the flesh. You cannot do it. You cannot walk in this in your flesh. Again, it's a spiritual discipline. It is something that is developed. It is something that is developed by the Holy Spirit and by Holy Spirit in us to where we, it becomes, and it can come to such a place with us. I, I think of people, my goodness. I, I, how many of you ever heard of Mark Buntain? Anybody here heard of Mark Buntain? He had, he was, uh, I was actually, I got to meet him. And this, he, he, was, he was a missionary to Calcutta and to India. He lived in a tent in the middle of Calcutta, India for seven years, him, his wife, and their daughter. In a tent in Calcutta, in the, in downtown, in, in, down in the slums of Calcutta. He preached every night for seven years. By the time I met him, this guy's voice was absolutely hoarse from, from preaching. He, his voice was just almost a, a, a raspy whisper. He developed, and he, he so loved India that he said when, they, when, when he passed and he went to be with the Lord, they didn't bury him in Canada where, with his family. They buried him in India. They said that there were times that he would come home at night, and this guy was, the ministry that they developed was huge, uh, Mission of Mercy. Uh, they developed, uh, they had a hospital. They built a hospital. They built an orphanage. And there, it was a common thing for this guy to leave in the morning, to go out and to minister to people, and to come home with no shoes on. Because he had seen a beggar with no shoes. He seen someone with no shoes, and he'd give him his shoes, and he'd walk barefooted the rest of the day. You see, this is, this is, uh, this is how the love of God can get inside of us. This is how Holy Spirit can develop his love in us to where we're acting clean out of our, we're not even acting out of our nature anymore or our character. We're acting out of his character and his nature. When we see somebody, we don't react according to our nature. We don't react according to our character, but it's automatic that we are acting and we're moving within the character and the nature of God and the nature of Christ. And it's done not by means just of imitating Christ, but it's a result of the incarnation of Christ in us. I'll say that again. It's not just imitation. And it's not just imitating the love of God. But it's the incarnation of the love of Christ in us. It's not something we do. It's who we are. We don't just have the love of Christ. We are the love of Christ. And we move in that. And that's how our whole life I, I, I could go on example after example. Uh, Amy Carmichael, 
young, young woman left her home in Ireland and went. She didn't even have any, she didn't have any backing. She couldn't get any a missionary society to back her because she was so young and she was a woman. But she went and she, she developed probably one of the greatest orphanage orphanages has been and, and she I, I've read her I've got her her biography at home and this woman so walked in love that it was she had people coming against her constantly she had people attacking her all the time because they didn't think that she should be in that position but she she didn't let that all she knew is it's like Paul the love of Christ had constrained her to do this and it was who she was. She didn't, she didn't just have the love of Christ. She was the love of Christ. And I, I could go on and on, on and on. But what I'm trying to say is this. Jesus knows the only way to live a victorious life. He knew this was to abide in his love. Jesus knew that this was the only way we could do, we could, we could, we could do this. The only way to navigate the pressures and pitfalls of relationships is to abide in his love, to remain in his love, and to rest in his love. Abiding in his love, if you go down to verse 7, says this. Abiding in his love allows his joy to remain in us. Jesus said, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you to abide in my love so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You want a, ha you want a good gauge of, of, of whether you're walking in love or not when you're in a situation? Where's your joy level at? Where's your joy level at? when you're walking in a relationship and you're walking through something. If when you get into that relationship and your hackles start coming up or you start walking outside, then guess what? Your joy is not being fulfilled. You're not remaining in the joy of, of the Lord. You're just not. And you can watch it on people. Yeah, you can tell on, you know, you can tell whether people are walking in the love of God or not by the joy that is manifested from them. You can. And as I thought about that, I thought, man, what a good gauge. What a good gauge for me to, what a good barometer, what a good meter for me to see if I'm really walking in the love of Christ is when I'm in that situation, where's my joy? Where's my joy level out at? Is it, is it up here where I am when I walk through the church doors and everybody's cool and, and all, everything's, everything's really nice? And, and you know, is, is, is my joy level still there? Or do I let that situation, that person, rob me of my joy? Or do I, do let, I let, not even let that person rob me of my joy? Do I rob myself? of that joy, because that's the issue. It's not the person that's robbing me of my joy. It's me. It is me that's robbing me of my joy and allowing my joy to, to flow up away from me.
Abiding in his love allows his joy to remain active in us. If we abide in his love, we're going to abide in his joy. It is manifested in us when you abide in his love, your joy is full. Might as well do this because it's the truth. Your joy is full. When you're abiding in the love of Christ, you, your joy is going to be full. And you're going to be, uh, I, they, that person could do whatever the worst thing that they could do to you, and it does not affect your joy. Because your joy, see, isn't based in, 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 in natural fleshly things. That's not where your joy, if that's where your joy is based in, you're, you're doing this number here. You're on the roller coaster. You're up and down. But when you really let, when your joy is in Christ, people can do to you whatever, what the, they can do anything to you. And your joy still remains. You're still able to say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're still God. You're still in control. You're, you're still my Lord. I still have the joy of the Lord because what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. The word says it is with joy that we draw water out of the wells of salvation. And so when we, when we walk in love, nothing, and we're walking in that love, nothing can, can steal our joy. We, we don't let anything steal our joy from us. That word joy, or the word full means to make full, to complete, to cause, to abound, to furnish or supply liberally. To be full, it means to be filled to individual capacity. <laughs> I like that word. To be filled to individual capacity to the extent that is appropriate. The same love Christ has for us should translate to our love for others. Bottom line right there. Let's go over to, to 1 John. Now, I know I haven't spent a lot of time, you know, going through the love is patient, love is kind. Listen, go read it. It's explanatory. It explains itself. You don't need to have someone with a, a degree in theology stand up here and explain to you that love, is, love is, is kind. Love is patient. You, you, you don't need that. That's, that's kind of an elementary thing that you ought to be able to, if you're anywhere in Christ, you ought to be able to figure that one out for yourself. But see, what we're talking about is a deeper what I'm talking about this morning is a deeper walk and a deeper understanding of how the love of God works through us, how we should be moving in it. First John, I'm getting there. I got sidetracked. First John 2. And we're going to read just from like, uh, we're going to read from the fifth verse down to the uh, 11th verse. But whosoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. And then I got scratched off to the side in my own handwriting. This is a tall order. 
He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. That's exactly what our scripture in 2 Peter says. Christ has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. John's saying here that when God's love is perfected in us, we know that we're in him. And because we say we abide in him or abide in his love, then we ought to walk just like he walked. You know, some people really struggle with that one. Well, I can't be like Jesus. (laughs) I have a lot I could say right there. But just let us leave it right here. We just read that we can walk just as he walked. So that's, that excuse is null and void right there. You can, do, you, can, you can shelve that one because it's not going to do any good. It's not going to do you any good. That was free. <laughs> Brethren, I write you no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you. Which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So let's look at just real quick through this. I looked at some different translations and when it says here that when we keep his word, the love of God is perfected in us. And really what that, that the different translations say it this way, the love of God is fulfilled in us. The love of God has reached its goal. The love of God has reached maturity. The love of God is completed. The word perfected means to bring to an end by completing or perfecting. So when we learn to do the word, and, and when we're talking about, the, talking about the word, keeping the word, Jesus said it, the greatest commandment is what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And again, we brought this out last week. That's not three different commandments. That's not love the Lord your God, love your neighbor, and then love yourself. And we talked about the difference between self-love, what that comes from, and self-esteem. Self-esteem is based on who you are in Christ. You base self-esteem off of who you are in Christ. That's what you should be building up. Self-love is fleshly. Self-love is a fleshly way of trying to, to... be, what's the word I want? It's, it's trying to, to do this in the flesh. It's trying to, to be, uh, can't even think of the word I want. Not noticed, but to be, uh, I don't even know, can't think of it. Leave it. But anyway, there's the, the difference between self-love. Self-love is fleshly. 
Self-love is not something that a Christian should have in them. Now, self, self-esteem is totally different because that comes from who we are in Christ. So this word perfected means to bring to an end by completing. One commentary said it means to be fully developed. So think about that. When you keep the word of God, when you keep the word of God, the love of God is fully developed in you. Wowie. Does, does, does that kind of give you an idea of where, where God will take this if you let him? Does this, do you, are you kind of getting an idea of where, where God can take you in, the, in this thing of, of being a manifester of his love if you let him? The goal of every Christian should be to show his love for God and to be consistent to obedience to God's word is how we prove that his love has come to full development. As that love flows from me, I become more complete, more mature, more like Jesus. When it is released, it gives the evidence that he is in us. When the love of God is released from us, it is evidence that he is in us. That's why it's so important that people see the love of God in us. Because it's evidence to them, wow, that person, that person doesn't just say they're a Christian. That person doesn't just say they be- or they're a believer. They are. Verse 6. You go on, John's logic is pretty simple here. Again, you don't have to be, uh, have a doctrine in theology to check, to be able to understand this. John's logic is pretty simple. If you say you were in Christ, there should be evidence that you are. If you are in Christ, there should be evidence that you are. If you're telling people you're a Christian and then you're walking around with just waiting for somebody to say something so that you can, you can <laughs> speak your mind, are you portraying the ev- that there's the evidence of Christ is in you? When you're reacting to somebody and, and, and they've... Let's say they've displeased you. Is your reaction one that will tell people, wow, that person's got Jesus in them. There's the evidence of Christ in them. (laughs) Boy, I wish you could see some of the look on your faces. (laughs) It's like, oh, oh, oh. Ah. You should be able to walk the way Jesus walked. You should be able to speak the way Jesus spoke. Now, I know, listen, this is so out of character for us. This, this puts us in such a place of, we can't, we can't, we have a hard time really picturing this happening. 
we look at, okay, Jesus did this, he, this is here, but I'm okay down here because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just me. This is just the way God made me. What a lie from the enemy. Paul said that when you come to Christ, you're a new creation. All that old junk passed away. And everything now is new. You are the, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are seated in heavenly places with him. And your actions should give evidence to that. Especially when it comes to love and loving others. And being able to portray the love of God to others. If you are in him, you have the power to think, speak, act the way Jesus did through the Holy Spirit. We should have the same focus and direction he did. I'm going to say that again. We should have the same focus and direction that he did. Never did Jesus not deal with somebody out of love. Now, he got a little direct with some people. But it was never out of, out of uh, frustration or anger or everything Jesus did was out of love. Why? How, how can I say that? Because he said, what? I don't do anything. I don't do anything outside of the Father. I don't do anything unless he, he, he tells me to do it or he permits me to do it. I got to hurry. I'm going to move on down real quick. Verse 7 through 11, he goes through this. And, uh, brethren, I write you no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness of anybody will go on down. Here's my translation of this. This is Mark's translation. You don't need a new commandment. You just need to pay attention to fulfill the ones you already have. And the old commandment is a fresh and it's a new commandment. Those commandments never get old. That commandment to love never gets old. It never gets out of it. Nothing about God ever gets stale or outdated. Nothing about him is ever stale or outdated. It never loses its, its um, efficiency. It never loses that that ability to be fresh and new. What, what does uh, uh, Jeremiah say in the book of Lamentations? What? The, the mercies of God are what? New every morning. This commandment never gets old. It's not an old commandment. It, it, it's an old commandment, but that's one that should be new and fresh to us. And then he talks about going down in verse 9. He says, hate it. He said, talks about hating if you say you're in the light, but you hate your brother, you're in darkness. And again, that ought to be pretty clear. I mean, if you're anywhere in Christ, you ought to know that. That ought to be something that should not, this is a, that's an elementary level thing. That if you hate your brother, you can't love Christ. If you hate your brother, you're in darkness. And you say you're in the light, but you're really not. That word hate is a really, um, interesting word. There's actually two, 
two aspects of hate. There is the active access of hate, and then there's the passive aspect of hate. Hate can be expressed as you detest somebody. You, don't, you can't be around. You, the, the, everything about them just is fingers on the chalkboard. You, you want nothing to do with them. That's the active part of hate. The passive part of it, and hate can be expressed passively. You can, you can passively hate somebody. Now, this isn't my words. This is what going in and reading, and reading in the definitions and, and, the, and the, what this means. Hate can be expressed passively and still be hate. Passiveness, passive hate can be expressed as coldness, indifference, isolation, or unconcern. I, I actually, I got to hurry. Um, I actually ran onto a, a series of, of, of uh, teachings on love by Brother Hagen. And so I thought, eh, I'll listen to it and see what he has to say. I was shocked. He agreed with me. I, was, I mean, it was super good because, I, I mean, I, I'm out working in the yard and I'm listening to this and he'll go, go to John, John, go to First John. And I go, yep, 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 I know what you're going to say. But he, he talked about when he first got saved, and I'm, I'm hurrying, how that he, when he, somebody did something wrong to him, he wrote them off. That was it. If he saw them downtown, he would cross the street and walk down the street just so he, he or if he had to, con, you know, there was, he wouldn't even look at them, right on by him, like they didn't even exist. And they talked about when he, when he got saved, that, that uh, something happened with one of his relatives there in his hometown. You probably heard, you probably heard him tell this. And how that he... Uh, he thought, well, I'm just going to give him the old treatment, you know. And so he, he saw him coming down the street. He walked across the street and started down that, and the Holy Spirit arrested him and said, uh-uh, you are not like that anymore. You won't, you won't do that. He walked across the street, went over, shook their hand, and told them, I'm praying for you. And I love you. And he said that person, I, I don't remember if he said they, they fell down right there. I don't remember how, but they said, would you pray for me? And it was a simple act of just acting out of the love of Christ. And this is talking about if, if, if you're walking in that where you're just, you're totally unconcerned about somebody. They did something to you, you're just like, huh? According to this, you hate that person. According to that, you're acting in hate toward that person. Because if we have the love of God in us, we're always going to be concerned. We're always, we may not have any contact with them, but we're going to be concerned about them. We're going to be concerned for them. We're going to be praying for them. Okay. 
So I got one more thing. I talked earlier about how this, and I've been this way with this whole teaching about faith. I'm just like, you know, acting like it's some heavy, heavy burden to bear. Or like the Lord just standing up there going like this, you know, slapping me upside the head. And I was praying Thursday morning. And as I was praying Thursday morning, because I know I'm probably not the only one who feels this way. So I'm praying, and, and I've gotten to the habit now that when I take paper and a pen in with me when I pray. And as I was praying, the Lord said, I want you to share this. with everyone because he says he understands that this is hard on our flesh God's not up there going you goofball why can't you get this he understands that it's hard on our flesh but the Lord sent me with something to share with you and tell you this morning he said to let you know that this is not a punitive action Because he's dealing with us as a body about this, because he's dealing with us on a personal level, this is not a punitive action. It's not a case of him being frustrated with us. It's not because he's disappointed in us. He said it's not about a measure of you being good enough or measuring up. Here's what he said. I am simply meeting your desire for a greater measure of my glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said it's just a matter of adjustment. I know what is needed for you to function fully and efficiently at the next level. The higher the level, the finer the adjustments become. The closer you get to me, the finer the adjustments will be until there will be no noticeable difference between who I am and who you are. It is not about who you think you are or where you are at. I'm simply fine-tuning your life, getting you ready to excel and function more powerfully in the next season. It's not about harming you. It's not about beating you up. It's not about condemnation. I am building you up, setting you up for continual victory. I am the master conductor. I am the master engineer. I am the master builder. You stay focused on me, and I'll get you where I want you to be. (laughs) So the next time the enemy tries to beat you down with this, you tell him, ah, no, Mr. Devil. I'm just getting (laughs) fine-tuned. That's how the Lord presented this to me, and I'm going to close with this. In in our recording project, you start and you go in, and and what what do you do? You go in and you lay down a, a scratch track, which means it's just basic stuff. And then you add on that, and you add on that, and you add on that until you have everything that you need there. And then the engineer... Mr. Rick, 
He goes in and he listens. And he listens to every note. And he fine-tunes. And he, he works. There is actually more time spent fine-tuning a production like that than there is in the actual doing of it. There's probably four times the amount spent in, in, in fine-tuning. Listen, folks, when God's talking to us, and it, this was good for me, that's all God's doing when he's talking to us about love. He's not, he's not out here to, to beat it. This is not about beating us down. This is not about because he's frustrated with us. It's not because he's disappointed that we're not where we should be. No. What he's saying is, I, and he said it, I know what it's going to take. You've asked me to take you to this level. So I know what it's going to take to get you there. And so all I'm doing now is fine-tuning the knobs. All I'm doing is fine-tuning the sound until I know that you're ready to go. When I first started machining, cnc it, I'd worked carpenter my whole life. And when you're a carpenter, you get something within an eighth of an inch, that's golden. And then I started doing the CNC machining. And I found out, mm, a, 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 an eighth of an inch is a mile. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about tolerances of thousandths of an inch. Really, the standard would be if you could go five thousandths of an inch either way and still be intolerant. Some of the stuff I did, you had less than that. You had from one to two thousandths, even down to a half a, half a thousandth of an inch. That's all the tolerance you had. So you would work with a piece of material, and you'd stop, and you'd check it, and you'd see if it was intolerance. And if it wasn't, you'd work some more on it. And that's all, we're, that's all God's doing with us, is fine-tuning us. That ought to make you feel better this morning. Did me, huh? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.